to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Great to be here today. Great to be here. Are you happy to be here? Yeah? Yeah. Claire's giggling happy to be here. Are you? <laughs> that wasn't directed at me. That was directed at your husband. Okay. So as a 10-year-old-ish child... I settled on my writing studentism, and I was going to be Emily Harris. And uh, I regularly played out the scenario of seeing my books on shelves in libraries and bookstores, and I played around with my little bio, what's in the inside dust cover sleeve of a book, and I used to visualise myself, imagine myself, that black and white photo that you often have there of the author, and a, a shot, my shot, my bio shot, I would look in equal parts whimsical and intelligent. <laughs> and in year four, I wrote a picture book alongside one of my good friends at the time, Shakira Piggott. That was her actual name, Shakira Piggott. We used to call her Foo for some obscure reason. And on recommendation of my year four teacher, we entered it into a national storybook competition. Now, whilst we didn't win, we were told, I was particularly told, that I had great writing potential. In year six, I wrote a poem on road safety. (laughs) There was a little line in it that I think went, watch out for cars or you'll be seeing stars. (laughs) Only bit I can remember. And this was entered into a Catholic education competition because I went to a Catholic primary school at the time and this time I did win. And the $500 prize money was quite outstanding, quite astonishing for this 11-year-old at the time. In year 12, I got 81% in my English literature exam. At university, in my first year, During my creative writing course, I wrote pretty much the entirety of my major creative writing assessment in a 24-hour period, even though you were meant to do it over a semester. After submitting it, barely edited, I got a HD. Throughout my 20s and even 30s, I was asked, even commissioned, to write poetically, creatively and informationally for a number of projects. But up until last year, I didn't call myself a writer. Let me explain. So let's land in this locating passage of scripture that Jace launched last week as we launched this reimagined series. And we've just heard Ben share it this morning out of the Holmans and we're going to land now in the NIV. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Think or imagine. So let's land in imagine for a minute. You see, I think our imagination gets a pretty bad rap. We seem to categorise our brain into good parts and bad parts. We sometimes assume that our thinking brain is somehow more noble than our imagination brain. We assume our creative thoughts are less reliable than our intellectual ones. We tend to prioritise words over pictures. And yet, friends, 
our imagination for each and every one of you sitting here today, whether you term yourself a creative or not, you have an imagination. And that imagination is God-given, God-designed. Our ability to think in pictures, contemplate the future creatively, to see what is beyond the here and now, that is a God-given gift within each of us. You see, God has an active and vibrant imagination. That was the starting point from which the world began. It began in God's imagination. So how many of us have left our imaginations behind? How many of us have relegated it to the stuff that we do when you're a child or if you're one of those woo-woo types or if you're somehow into sort of cartoons or animation or some other descriptive thing? How many of us have left our imagination behind? Walter Brueggemann, who's an influential Old Testament scholar, Old Testament scholar, writes, he says, the key pathology of our time which seduces us all, is the reduction of the imagination so that we are too numbed, satiated and co-opted to do serious imaginative work. Serious imaginative work. And so friends, God wants our mind alive with curiosity, wonder and awe. You see, the scriptures... The Word of God upon which we build our life. The Scriptures are not a transactional informational text. You don't approach the Word of God like a recipe or a manual or an informational text. When we read the Word of God, it requires our imagination. Scriptures are full of story, allegory, acrostic poetry, prophecy, imagery. We know Jesus used parable continually. We have to read the Word of God with our imagination active and alive. The Word of God is an emotional, provocative, rich, dense, wondrous, living text. And so therefore it means that not only our imagination needs to be alive, but we need to continually sanctify it. Just like we renew our mind and reshape our heart, we need to ensure that our imagination is continuing to become more Christ-like. C.S. Lewis would say that our imagination needs to be baptised and re-baptised. So friends, how's your imagination going? Is there a call for you today to reimagine? Because as we landed in this passage of Scripture last week, and as I have chewed on it this week, I believe that for me personally, and my call out to us today would be to reactivate perhaps that dormant part of yourself. Because friends, if we turn back to verse 20, God can do immeasurably more then we can think or imagine. But what if we're not even thinking or imagining? What if God isn't doing immeasurably more than you're thinking or imagining? Because rather than thinking and imagining and asking, we're accepting, denying, minimising, rationalising. What if we're trying to strive or push our way through our pilgrimages rather than positioning ourselves in a posture of asking. 
And so I believe sometimes our lack of curiosity and wonder is crushing us. It's silencing us. We have become, as a culture, certainly in the Western world, so darn opinionated, so darn argumentative, so darn you-do-you-ish that we have dulled and diffused our imagination. God wants to reignite our what if again. What if? What if I can do immeasurably more than you can think or imagine? What if? What if? So I believe the call today is for us to reimagine, reignite, re-see, reactivate the wonder and curiosity. Reactivate your thinking in pictures. Reactivate your contemplation towards the future. Now let me turn back to where I began. Why the writing anecdote M? Why did you start there? Well, that young girl that I talked about, that young girl is me, she imagined that she could write. And that gift came about in various startups and momentary moments, but then it lay dormant really for nearly a decade. I squashed and silenced the gift. And so at first, after imagining the sort of person that I could be, the sort of person God had designed me to be, I did not re-imagine. And so today, we can use this passage of Scripture in all sorts of ways and land in all sorts of things. But today, I just really want to drill down on your gifts and reimagining the gifts within you. A reimagining of who you are. Now, there are a wide and varied range of commentators on gifts when we're talking about gifts. Those that I want to emphasise today and focus on today are those that are given to us from birth. God designed gifts in you. You don't earn them or deserve them. Those gifts within each of us, and each of us have God-given gifts. They are talents. They are dispositions. They come in various forms, and we can read a whole heap of commentaries on them. But they're kind of essentially three types of gifts they talk about in the Bible. Spiritual gifts, which we find in 1 Corinthians 12, and these are wisdom, knowledge, faith, learning. We then see another list of gifts in Romans 12, and these are called the motivational gifts, where we're motivated to help people, motivational gifts that deposit things in people, such as prophecy, serving, teaching, generosity. And then we see another list of gifts in Ephesians 4, where we talk about the fivefold ministry. Many of you would have heard that term, prophet, evangelist, prophet, teacher, shepherd. Now, this gift list, the gifts that are within you, can be included in a whole heap of talents and dispositions gifted by God. And I would place my writing gift kind of in that category. It actually falls under like an artistic gift, which we see in Exodus 31. But my encouragement to you today, as I have sat and prepared this message, is that many of us need a reactivation a reawakening, a rebolstering, a reimagining of our gifts. And the journey here is threefold. So let me unpack how this has come about. And let me just emphasize here that as you heard me tell that story of me as a young child, sometimes that gift activation, that stepping into that in full flight, in full flourish, can take decades. 
My story took around 41 years. So if you feel like you're sitting here today, not even knowing what your gifts are, or certainly not feeling like you're operating in your full potential, that's okay. You're in like-minded company, but my encouragement to you today was come on a journey with me for a moment. Okay, so if we land back in this reimagined space, in this theme of gift activation, firstly, what do we need to reimagine? What do I believe to be one of the first landing points of what do we reimagine? That is, what do we picture? Where do we activate our curiosity and wonder again? Well, we need to reimagine what's already in us. Reimagine what's already in you. What's in your hands, friends? What's in your heart? What's in the Old Testament phrase of what's in your bones? What comes easily to you? What feels in essence like it's progress and joy every time you do it? What's that thing you did as a child, like me, that you imagined yourself doing, you dreamt of, but then lay dormant? What is your God-designed, authentically you-y-ness? Because friends, that's God in you. Let me say that again. That is God in you. Non-earned, non-deserved deposit of grace, deposit of activation, deposit of something that we don't deserve or earn or fabricate or create. It is God's gift within you. It's not just some random happenstance, not just great genetics, the right DNA, case of luck or serendipity or karma or cosmos. That's God saying, I'm in you. Master of the universe, author of all, Alpha and Omega, I'm in you, in your very fabric. In the words of David, in your knitting together. And we read the message version of that psalm we all know very well. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. He's in our bit by bitness. How I was sculpted from nothing into something at the hands of the Creator. God's gift in you is God in you. It's his mastery, it's his imagination, it's his, it's his artistry. It's already in you, friends. So what is yours? If you need to reimagine what's already in you, how do you know what's already in you? If you're sitting here today going, I don't even know what that is, Em. Well, we like helping you. Check out the purpose circles. There's a gift assessment on there where you can fill out a survey. And if you're like me and you eat surveys for breakfast, lunch and dinner, you can sit there and do a gift assessment. If you haven't done one since you were 14 or 25 and you're like, ah, do it again. Seasons change, things shift. You have a greater level of maturity and self-awareness. Reactivate that, lean into that. Another way to know what is in you is ask a close friend. And listen to their answer. Oh, nah, that's not a thing. That's not a gift. Everybody can do that. No, listen to them. If somebody that is in your world sees something alive in you, respond to that. 
Revisit some of your memories from your childhood, that thing that you used to do. Look for a thread in your life of the thing that has always brought you joy and progress. That thing that has always made you feel alive. Reimagine what's already in you. And friends, if you sit here now and you're like, okay, yet get the concept. Can I just encourage you that there's a posture attached to this? As I'm saying, reimagine what's already in you. We can't sit here, we can't lean into this process if we're clenched on the inside, if you're eye-rolling at me internally. (laughs) Yeah, reimagine the gift. If there's a sense of like control or protection that's coming up in your heart right now because of maybe you've been hurt or burnt or misunderstood or displaced... Friends, we need to let the light in. Our posture here needs to be one of openness. This seeing, this reimagining requires an open-heartedness, an openness in our imagination. Again, in the words of David, it's a search me-ness. A search me, God. Help me, God. I open my heart before you. So asks for Holy Spirit's help. Listen to the voices of encouragement. Watch where the light shines. And this is what I started to do in my 30s. I saw the light on my gift. And I didn't minimise it, deny it, disregard it. I listened to the encouragement from Jason, trusted others. And I embrace God in me, in it. I embrace God in me, in it. James 1.17 Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So reimagine the gift within you. Take a posture of openness. And then what? How do we make this far less abstract, M? How do I make this concrete? Well, you have to make it real. So this week, and, and I was even encouraged, I had a couple of people come and show me images and, and draw things for me that they felt that God had shown them this week in their imagination after I did a moment during last Sunday's service. So pull it out of your abstract and write it down. See it, write it, own it, pull it out of your imagination and bring it into the light. Make it real, make it concrete, give it shape and form. So that thing that's sitting in your imagination, write it down. God, I believe you will do this. God, I believe you will show me this. This imagery I have of my children, I draw it out, I write it out, I declare it out. This image that I have of my marriage, I write it out, I declare it, I put it down. In relation to your gift, see you depositing light as you move through scenarios where that is activated. See you spreading Jesus as you activate that gift in ordinary, basic ways. Make it real, see it, write it, own it, pull it out of your imagination down onto paper. So first point, reimagine what's already in you. Posture yourself in openness. Step, make it real. Secondly, actually, before I get to that, 
So over the next few points as I round this out today, I want to read excerpts from the Growers Influences liturgy that kind of encapsulates all of this together. So let me read this excerpt from the liturgy that kind of pulls all of that together. So just take a breath with me. It's literally three sentences. Close your eyes in your seats if you want to do so. Lord, we surrender to your let there be light growing in us step by step and day by day. A light that is uplifting, door opening, service bringing, integrity breathing, feet grounding. We declare again, maker of heaven and earth, grow us from the inside out, form us in your glory drenched light. Amen. Second point. Reimagine. What else might we need to do in this reimagining space when it comes to our gift? Well, we need to reimagine the gift as a fire, not an ember. Is your gift fully and wholly alive? Is it burning bright? Is it burning as a flame within you and with the way that you are behaving and participating and sharing that? Or is it dwindling like a little ember? Is it there? but nearly deceased. You see, Paul endorses to Timothy in his second letter from prison. And Timothy at this point, you know, he's about 30 years old. Poor Timothy is persecuted, juggling a complex congregation, tiring, waning in his leadership. And whilst 1 Timothy from Paul to Timothy is a letter about not being intimidated, essentially 2 Timothy is about him continuing to endure. So that's the context, friends. And so Paul here in this personal heartfelt plea, recognising the gift within Timothy, recognising that beautiful flame that was within Timothy, smack bang in the middle of his encouragement in 2 Timothy 1.6 is this. This is why I remind you to fan into flames. The spiritual gift gave you when I laid my hands on you. Or the message would say, keep that ablaze. God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but get these words, bold, loving, sensible. God places an ember within us. It's his evidence of himself within us. It's his light within us, but it's our call, friends, our reminder, just like Timothy, to fan that into flame. To keep those gifts ablaze. We can't become complacent or blasé. We can't shove them under a bucket. We can't be thinking of it as a tiny little coal, a tiny little ember, when God would say, fan it into flame. Stoke the fire. Paul here uses a present active verb, as in this continues all the time. It's not a fan into flame, done for 50 years. It's an active process. So we need to reimagine our gifts as fires, not embers. So how do we do this? What posture do we take at this point? Well, we'd see in Old Testament times that when a burnt offering was made for the Lord, that there was a lot of work required to keep that burnt offering burning. 
was an intentional, active posture of those to keep that fire ablaze. Now, this is particularly in times when there wasn't a lot of firewood around, weren't surrounded by thick forests. So going to get the wood, cut the wood and put it on the burnt offering to keep it ablaze was a toiling work. It required a continual posture of devotion. And so if we are to keep our gifts inflamed, keep them burning, we need to recognise that this requires fuel, friends. We have to get down to the business of fueling the flames within us, creating wind and heat to keep that fire stoked. It's a posture of devotion. Devoted Jesus followers... Devoted fire stokers, devoted wood finders and carriers. And so how does this devotion come about? Well, it's through daily rhythms, patterns that stoke the fire, relationships, surrender, silence, gratitude, repentance, worship. We can't fan into flame the gift within us with an occasional, okay, you go now, and a... <laughs> It won't work. It's a posture of devotion. And so if Paul is giving amazing Timothy, gifted, anointed Timothy, this endorsement, then I think it's a pretty good reminder for us too. If Timothy needs this reminder amidst everything that he was carrying in his complex leadership world, then I think the same is for us. And so in my own life, I've had to reimagine my writing gift alive. I've had to posture myself in devotion. And I would say during the COVID 2020-2021, I dug a deeper well of devotion in those two years. During that COVID season, I lamented and languished with God in deeper ways than I ever had. I studied scripture with ferocity. I played the piano and worship for the first time in like a decade. I, I wrote and I sat and I paused with Jesus. I felt this level of devotion go deep, deep, deep down, even amidst that trying season. And what that did, friends, is it fanned my gift into flame. So what's your next step? If our posture is devotion, what's your next step? Well, we've got to cultivate the draft. You've got to get in environments that create wind and heat for you. Cultivate that gift within you. Stoke that fire into flame. What relationships breathe life on your gift? What atmospheres breathe life on your gift? What contexts bring life on your gift? Who in your world brings life and breathes wind on your gift? What do you need to sit in, posture in, create rhythms around that cultivate the draft? We need to have an awareness what is doing the opposite as well, right? What's snuffing, what's snuffing you out? What relationships? What social media feeds? What stuff you're reading? Stuff you're watching? What stuff is snuffing that ember so that it actually now feels maybe like a dry coal? We need to act in the opposite way strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is my encouragement and endorsement to you today, that Holy Spirit delights in doing this. 
He wants to strengthen you in this area. He wants God fully alive in us. He wants our gifts ablaze. And so as you sit here, don't feel overwhelmed or pressured or striving. Just stay in that posture of openness and devotion and allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. And as I round this out today, let me read that second part of the liturgy that goes beautifully with this. Reimagine the gift as a fire, not an ember. Posture of devotion, cultivate the draft. Take a breath again. We will be caretakers and meaning makers of the gifts that you have fashioned within us. Holy Spirit, breathe on these embers now and start a gift fire. Amen. And finally, we need to reimagine our gift given away. You might have been tacking with me up until this point. You might recognise the gifts within you. You might have done a full swag of gift profiles. You may be completely aware of the gifts within you. And yet you may feel like you haven't quite got there yet. You may be kind of stuck. Your gift of wisdom may feel like it's behind a closed door. Your gift of hospitality doesn't seem to integrate into your life. Your gift of leadership feels forced. Your gift to teach has never quite had the opportunities that you've longed for. And so that's where I landed as a child. I knew I had the gift to write. I had imagined and reimagined it, and yet it didn't actually have wings. And so God revealed to me, as I have done the journey of this preparation, he said, Em, that's because the gift was still firmly attached to you. If I'm honest, I was preoccupied with what people would think. I was concerned if I put my writing out there, how would I look? How would I appear? I was focused on me and the gift, not others and the gift. The gift was attached to me. And so we need to reimagine that the purpose of God in us is to give that away. We need to unravel our gifts from us, unravel it from our heart and our insecurity and our sense of worth, and ravel it around others. Do we bake because we feel good about it? Do we teach because we feel endorsed? Do we share a prophetic image because it makes us look really spiritual? If we say something wise, will people then think we're really awesome? If the gift is attached to us and not others, it's raveled around us. And so part of being a mature disciple, friends, is to recognise that gift within us, God within you, is to detach it from ourselves and allow it to bless others. Peter would say, 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift, each of you. There's no caveats or disclaimers or disqualifiers there. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety. God has rather a large variety. Let's just remember that, right? Rather great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You see, you do you gets my goat. 
you do you mantra that is all kind of permeating through culture out at the moment is a self-focused, me influence for the sake of my own empire. Me do me, you do you, as a mantra is literally eating our soul. We cannot just you do you. We are an integrated community of people. My, my beingness, my doingness does affect you. We are not separate entities. What I'm doing will impinge on you because we are integrated into society. So we have to be careful, friends, that it's not just you do you. You do your gift. That's awesome. Go over there. Be a great influencer. Be awesome. God would actually say, no, the opposite. Not you do you. God, through me, serve you. God, through me, serve you. I'm not the start or the end. God's the start. You're the end. I'm in the middle. This is not a beginning and end M mantra, individualist mantra. This is God shining his light through me for you. So the statistics around this self-focused tendency is staggering and saddening. And as I finish, come to an end today, this self-esteem movement that's been part of the last couple of decades, this whole self-care individualist pursuit is actually eating us alive. Let me, let me read this study that was published just in 2011. This showed that the most popular TV shows aimed at 10 to 12-year-olds in 1967 shows at that time the most highest-ranked shows were those that focused on community and relationship. Fourth lowest in a list of 16 things was fame and influence. By the time we reached 2007, 40 years later, that statistic has completely reversed. So the TV shows, the Netflix shows that are most now popular with the younger generation are those that are based on influence and fame and community and relationship has become least important. So as a generation, we have shown our children that you are the most important and what people think about you is the most important and your focus and desire should be based on how you can influence and how you can be endorsed. And community and others and relationships has fallen to the bottom of the pile. Now, interestingly, statistically, at the same time as this has happened, anxiety and people's sense of well-being has also decreased. So it isn't working. It isn't working. And so whilst this might be kind of provocative, my encouragement is if you're feeling frustrated or unappreciated or held back, devalued in your gifts... Maybe we need to imagine those gifts given away. Maybe the posture here, friends, is one of humility. Laying ourselves down, unraveling ourselves, getting out of the way. Because if we're thinking of our gift as how great we will be seen or what it will mean to other people, if the focus on the gift is me, then we've missed the entire point. God through me, 
serve you. And so what might your step be? Well, it's about getting out of the way. We've got to posture ourselves to be sort of anonymous. That baked good, that kind word, not taking any credit, not worrying what people think. And so for me, friends, last year when I sat down to write the liturgies in 2021, I removed the pen from my hand and attached it to my heart. And I focused on Jesus. And I saw the writing as serving and glorifying and helping you. Helping you. Serving you. Loving you. Giving you tools to worship Jesus. To love Jesus. To articulate when you, when you couldn't anymore, when you were so downtrodden and burdened and when you couldn't find the language but your heart was heavy. I removed myself from the equation. And in turn, God has enabled me to say, yes, Em, you're a writer. That's the evidence of me in you. Fan that into flame. Serve others through it. So reimagine the gift given away. Posture ourselves in humility. Seek to serve. Get out of the way. So let me finish with this last portion of the liturgy and then I'll pray again the Ephesians passage. We see that we are a people whose voices, pens, words, sounds, systems, designs, colours, creativity and conversations will go above the noise, the clutter, the feasts, the chaos, the look-at-me dialogues to the ones, the tens, the thousands and millions because you have called us, each and every one of us, to be storytellers of influence. So friends, where do you need to reimagine today? Where do you need to lean into wonder and curiosity? Where do you need to fan into a flame? My prayer would be, ask Holy Spirit. Let him illuminate that for you. Let him strengthen you with his power in your inner being that we see there in verse 16. It's his desire that our gifts will be alive, that God will be alive in us for others. So be encouraged. See again. Reimagine. Ephesians 3.20, as I finish today, the end of Paul's doxology there. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to His power that is work within us, to Him, always to Him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is the people that we are, friends. Reimagine it. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.